Hello, and welcome to an all-new episode of Talking Black Sales. My name is Kente. I'm one of your hosts all the way live from Los Angeles, California, and I am so happy to be here yet again to break down some more black sales. I am here with my wonderful co-host, so let me first start off by, with the one and only Yardley. How you doing, man? Hey, doing great, Kente. Glad to be here. Right, and also uh, joining us, we have Olaf Barbosa. Hey, it's like uh, I am so glad to be here tonight. It's another great day in the wonderful state of Indiana. So I say, look forward to chopping it up with you guys tonight. All right, and also joining us, last but definitely not least, is the one and only Jen. How you doing, Jen? Great. I'm super excited to talk about Charles Bain. <laughs> Why you say that? Why you say it like that? I have so much to talk about. <laughs> Are you not a fan of Mr. Vane? Um, I, I'm. I I think I have a love hate relationship with Charles Vane. I promise I'll get into that. You mean you're not one of the ladies that loves Vane? Well. Okay, well, define that, right? Because, I mean, there's love and then there's love. So. Uh, how about love? Yeah, I could see that. I could totally see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I totally am right down there with all of those. I like the evil guys. Yep, like, right there. <laughs> okay. Well, we're going to get <laughs> deeper into your love or maybe not love in Charles Vane in this episode. But uh, I wanted to first start off by by uh, saying, um, you know, uh, yesterday was a holiday. It was Memorial Day. And um, I didn't get really I didn't really do much. Uh, I wish I could say that I did all this uh, partying and whatnot. I really didn't. So I just was wondering, uh, what about you guys? Did you guys uh, do anything uh, yesterday? Not me. I pretty much just parlayed. And, and what about what about you, Olaf? No, I didn't. I didn't do much of anything. It's like I just kind of piddled around the house a little bit, and that was it. Okay. And what, now, Jen, I know you partied all night, right? Oh, gee, of course I did. I <laughs> actually, you know what I did all day? I cleaned and cleaned and cleaned, and facilitated everybody else having a nice day off. Did all the grill stuff, did all the cooking, you know, all that kind of stuff. I like so I feel that. good about it. I feel good about it. That sounds good, actually. You did uh, you did the work that uh, so few want to do. You, you, you should have come over here if he was going to do all that. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, no, this is just one household per gen. Sorry. Got to cut it off there. See, I don't know about you. I, I, I thought you were cool. Like... <laughs> You know, I thought you were the kind okay. person that. Oh, okay. Let's look. You know, if the paycheck is right, then maybe. Paycheck. But we can negotiate that later. <laughs> paycheck. Why? Why do people always want? You got to be rewarded with money. How about just the love of helping out your fellow person? <clears throat> yeah, that only goes so far. It certainly doesn't buy me anything at the store. So no, sorry. Are you serious? I I think it does. It does it. Okay, well. Yeah, they got stores that... that, that okay, I'm lying. <laughs> completely untrue. Okay, you caught me in a lie. You, well, all right, you could go to the Goodwill store and see if it would get you anything for, you know, spreading around Goodwill. 
But <laughs> Hey, that's an idea. Now, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> All right. So uh, today we are, like I said, we're going to be talking about um, this is our second in our series of retrospectives of the series uh, Black Sales. La- last week uh, did so well. We're like, we have to come back. And we realized something that doing a full, like doing one podcast to like talk about the whole series is probably not even an idea that makes any sense <laughs> in the world. So, so it may, you know, I was like, well, let's go ahead and do it like this. So, um, we're talking black sales. And last week we, we focused mainly on, on, um, uh, oh God, uh, we focused on um, Flint. Flint, thank you. Flint. <laughs> oh, don't get old. Um, Flint. Yes, we we fo- we focus mainly on Flint, and this week we're gonna, as voted by our fans, uh, Charles Vane, and um, I'm gonna go to you, Jen. Um, so there was a vote on who we were gonna talk about this week, and who were some of the people that were in the poll, and how well did uh, Vane do? Well. <clears throat> I tried to get as many people as possible into the poll, but of course, you know, I didn't, there's no way I could get every character from Black Sales, but the, I would say the top contenders, surprisingly, although Vane was not surprising, but surprisingly were uh, Thomas Hamilton, mm. Max, mm-hmm. um, not too many people voted for uh, some of the lesser characters, but Silver got quite a few, uh, of course, there's a huge mm. Silver I don't know, cult following in our group. Um, mm, I wonder who the leader is. Who, what was the other one? The other one was, uh, got a couple for Eleanor, um, and we got, oh, we even got a couple for Ned Lowe. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. So, but uh, Vane won going away, right? Oh, yeah. Vane, I think, won by like three times as many votes as anybody else had. <laughs> All right. So this week we'll be talking about Charles Vane. I think this a good place to start off with when it comes to Vane is when we first got to know Vane, we, we basically saw Vane along with Anne Bonny as well as uh, Jack Rackham. They had their, their the unholy trinity there. And let's start there with that unholy trinity of um, Rackham, Anne Bonny, and, and Charles Vane. Um, you know, that relationship had a lot of ups and downs and one big downturn, <laughs> you know. Uh, but ultimately, it ended with, you know, them on the same page. Uh, I guess, Jen, we'll start with you with this. Is uh, How would you describe the the Vane, Rackham, and, and Bonnie uh, alliance when they were good together? You know, I'm I'm going to be really honest. I I actually I believed in the beginning that what we saw with uh with Vane Rackham and Bonnie was going to be a central theme throughout. And I mean, I I guess you could loosely sort of tie that together, but in the middle of season 1, it sort of started to fall apart and then by the end of season 1, it seemed like it had really fallen apart. And it's so it was odd because it really seemed like they were sort of the th- this dynamic group that had some kind of really long history together and 
I, it didn't, it, it felt more close knit than it ended up being. But I have to say that for an instant draw, I can't think of a better way to get so many characters into one central location to sort of like, okay, we, we can learn so much more about them if we kind of group them together. And that's, they did that really successfully. Hmm. Uh, what about you, Yardley? How, how would you uh, describe their relationship? Well, I, I think like um, both of you, you know, that were, um, you kind of mentioned earlier that those characters, um, they definitely all went through a pretty good journey together, but I think that their relationship definitely taught a lot to um, Jack Rackham. Uh, and also, when we look at some of the most important people at certain points in the series, they always end up like being the quartermasters. <laughs> right. uh, you know what I mean? And I, I thought that Jack Rackham and his journey, and I think we saw it a little bit more after Charles Vane was hung, about how he kind of took certain attributes from the different people in leadership that he's met. You know, so I thought that that relationship as a whole probably benefited Jack Rackham the best, you know, in the long run. As far as Anne Bonnie, uh, I think, and maybe you can speak on this, Jen, I, I don't know what the, the following is for Anne Bonnie's character in the group, but I still to this day kind of feel like she was underused in the series. I thought that they did a decent amount with her. I think I, I kind of wish that we would have gotten a little bit more from the character. Um, I kind of liked the way her arc kind of tailed off. I didn't like the, um, what was her name? Mary Reed, how they kind of shoved her in. Right. What was that? I, I, I didn't really <laughs> like the very end. Yeah, they totally shoehorned her in, you know, at, at the end. I didn't like how that played out. But I actually kind of wish there was a little bit more with her and Max after everything Max ended up doing down the stretch. So as a whole, those three characters definitely worked for me at the beginning of the series, but I do felt like Anne Bonnie probably got the shortest end of the stick by the time the series was over. Well, because it, it, it was, <clears throat> it was Vane Silver, I'm sorry, Vane Silver. It was Vane Rackham and Anne to start. <clears throat> and then it was basically Rackham and Max as as time progressed and it the the dynamic felt really different but i i you know i've got an interesting sort of after i went back and viewed uh season one a couple of weeks ago it, there's something sort of interesting that happened um mid-season it, it well no i shouldn't say it happened mid-season it happened just before vane takes off and goes to the island and you can see that that people start reacting to Charles Bain differently. And it, it, it felt very similar to me, the, the way that people reacted to Anne Bonnie too. Like, it, you could almost tell that toward the end of the, the, the season that she was destined for something completely different than Anne Bonnie was. Um, and, and that it had nothing to do with Charles Vane. That basically Charles Vane's, uh, his character arc was gonna take off in a completely different direction. And it very much felt to me like Anne Bonnie's character, like it started off with a really nice character arc, and then it just kind of fizzled for a while, <clears throat> where it didn't, I don't know how to describe it other than to say that it felt like she was a very 
not passive in the environment, but the but that the environment was passive to her, which I don't think actually existed. I don't think that's actually how it was supposed to be, but that's how it came off that way. Does that, do you know what I'm saying? No, yeah, I understand exactly what you're saying. Yeah, do y'all feel like at the end of the series, it like the kind of... Uh, go off a little bit off of what Jen said as far as you know her kind of petering out. It seemed like at the end, even they realized that they weren't doing much with her and they had her get into that great fight. And I don't know if that was the, was that like the penultimate episode or, or, or did that happen like episode, what, seven of the season? When- yeah, that wasn't the last episode uh, because remember she was hurt for a while afterwards. Okay, so it must have been around episode seven. At some point, I'll I'll look it up. Actually, Jen, if you've got something to say, I'll try to go to the show notes. You, are you talking? You're talking about uh, season, the last season, right? Right. <clears throat> okay, so right yeah. after they keelhaul uh, teach, the in the next episode, that's when they the uh, what's his name decides that they're all going to fight gladiator style below the deck. And so that was, but that was nowhere near, that was really the middle of season four, I think. Because there was a lot that was going on after that. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, and she was, I think, even in the last episode, she was all banged up. Yeah, and that was one of the things that brought her and Max kind of back together, too, after she got, you know, after she got beaten up. Because remember, we didn't even know if she had survived her injuries. I think not yeah, until like that's right. Yeah, so it was a, quite a while. Yeah. Wait, didn't they pull a? We didn't know if she survived, and then they didn't even. She wasn't even like really brought up in the next episode, and then we found out the episode after that. Yeah. Did, did that happen? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. That's, okay. That's, okay. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> okay. That's right. They pulled that bull. <laughs> yeah. Um. So okay, so Olaf, uh, at some you know at some point in the show, in the first season, the Anne Bonnie. Uh, alliance with uh, Jack Rackham uh, with Vane started going south and you know it was a big rift between them you know and uh, did you ever think that it was going to come down to one of their deaths uh, because of it or or did you always think they were going to get back together I didn't know i wasn't too sure if there was actually going to be a death i thought maybe they might eventually work it out um because like i said in the beginning like said like you've uh, like i said it's, it, they were seemed like they were a good team together and then everything that happened um you know i i just i, I thought that she would uh, they would all eventually work it all out and you know get back together as a team but then as we saw it went all different directions. <laughs> yeah. You, you know what? And something else, I think one of the reasons why I thought that it worked was just the fact that, you know, Rackham and Bane were so dysfunctional. <laughs> you know what I mean? It wasn't like they were always on the same page, but at the end of the day, they, you know, they worked their things out so it would benefit them. But I just like the way that they kind of didn't like each other and then they grew to respect each other as things went on. It's kind of like Ann Bonnie was the kind of like the referee. She was kind of like in between, going like, "Okay, now just stop it, you know, and and get it between." Like with her in the middle of them, you know, they could kind of like, "Yeah, I don't like you, but all right, we'll go ahead and do this anyway." 
Now, we're going to give them their proper episode to talk about them, but I, I wanted to, to really talk about them in relation to Charles Vane because, you know, with with the, this kind of show, it's all about the relationships, right, that the characters mm-hmm. have with each other. Probably that drives the show more than anything is their interpersonal relationships. And one relationship that we ca- got to talk about that he had, and this went all kind of ways, <laughs> it went all sideways, is... Uh, Vane's relationship with Eleanor Guthrie. Now, Eleanor, from what I've seen in the group, I don't know if it's changed any. She's she's seems to be seen by a lot of the fan base as as uh, I don't think a lot of the fan base likes <laughs> Eleanor very much. She reminds me kind of of um, what's that uh, from Hell on Wheels, the 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 one that died in the. Oh Lily Bell. There you go, Lily Bell. She kind of reminds me of yeah, a Lily Bell my, type situation. My worst enemy. Yeah. <laughs> right. So she uh, favored her as well. You remember Kenzie? We used to bring that up. <laughs> that's like, right. Well, I was like, that's the Lily Bell of the high seas. <laughs> yeah, uh, she. They did, definitely reminded me a little bit of Lily Bell. If you watch, if you guys watch Tell on Wheels, but um, so his relationship with Eleanor um, definitely dysfunctional on both sides. Uh, but me personally, I always felt like Eleanor always had the upper hand. It seemed like in that relationship mentally when it came to him. Uh, I don't know. Do you guys agree with that or what? It seemed like she was, she was beholden to him, but not as much. Uh, what what do you think? Uh, uh, Well, well, first of all, that pause was way too awkward. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I was like, I started to play crickets. I started playing some crickets. She, she, you know what? You know what the thing is? The thing is that it, it. Oh, wow, I don't even know how to say this because I respect black sales so much for what it actually <laughs> brought forward with women because women played such an integral and and high functioning role, <clears throat> which sort of to me is like it's it it. It feels like an anomaly almost instead of the norm. It should feel like the norm. But they weren't just uh, um, working in the brothel, basically. I, yeah, right, right. <clears throat> and for that, I think Eleanor got a lot of hate that was not necessarily directed squarely at Eleanor. Mm-hmm. But where she intersects with Vane, it, I don't think that it's that Eleanor has the upper hand on Vane. Mm-hmm. I think that it's that Eleanor has the upper hand on everyone. Mm. And and so in relationship to Vane, <clears throat> she always looks like she is in control because that it doesn't make Vane a weak character. It makes Eleanor a strong character, far stronger than what I think we initially even gave her credit for. So when she's able to manipulate Charles Vane to do all kinds of things that we really we should be cheering right because if a guy did that then we would be like yeah somebody finally got over on whoever it was it, it is difficult I think when looking at Charles Vane to separate out that that hit that the level of competence that he had in relationship to Eleanor was always tempered kind of like looking through a filter with this i still have feelings for this person and it i don't think that that actually ever sort of went away even when he was really good at saying absolutely this doesn't bother me Mm -hmm. i i I just 
I mean, stuff like that doesn't, you don't get to erase that kind of stuff. It, it permeates the very character. And to that end, they did a really good job. You know, Charles Vane always sort of looked at Eleanor as if she was sort of the end all of end all. Do you uh, think, so. do you think that from Vane's point of view that he thought she was better than him? Like, because from the social status point of view, like, even though he would have probably never verbally said that, but do you think that he kind of thought that because of who she was and who he was? No, I don't um, think so. I don't think, no, I don't think Charles Wayne ever so. thought anything like that. Mm. No. I, 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 think, I, I You know what I think? Mm-hmm. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I, he, he wouldn't think that she was better. And there were, his whole thing was, I, I think, or part of what he was doing was because she ran you know, ran everything. He was, he'd figured getting on her good side, uh, that he could, you know, sway things his way at some point or another. So, but I don't, I would never say that he thought that ever thought she was better than him. What do we know about Charles Vane? We know that Charles Vane acquiesces to basically no one except he does acquiesce to those who, uh, who he respects that have power. Because I, I don't see any other way that Teach could have come in and convinced him, basically, to leave NASA in the middle of what was going on, he, he, despite the fact that there was a bounty on his head and all of that. I, I, but we know that when you represent power, that Vane has a, a different, he looks at you differently. So where you might be thinking, well, yeah, you know, gee, she had like maybe better social standing. We know that that didn't affect Vane at all because he told Flint, I can't believe you like all this stuff. And Flint was like, I can't believe you don't. There's, there is that aspect to Charles Vane that kind of precludes him, I think, from being the person to see anybody's social status. But what I do think that he recognizes is whether or not you are in control and have power. And when you do, then you get his respect. And I think that that's what Eleanor represented. She represented power and control in Nassau. Um, sorry about that. <laughs> uh, you know, there's a thing that happened quite a bit on the show that I found very interesting. Like they would have this situation where the character, a character would go through these, these, uh, periods of time where they kind of seemed to lost their way. And then, you know, they would be in the dumps. Like Max went through that, uh, which, you know, I remember when when it was happening, we were just like, oh boy, you know, like when is she gonna come out of it? And Vane had his uh, had his moment in the first season, especially where he just seemed to be kind of out of it. Like um, he just seemed to be, you know, in the dumps. And then he went and went back near the end of the season and uh, took out the guy at the island uh, who was his former. Uh, uh, I guess would you say his master or something like that? Um, yeah. And uh, it seemed like it got him back on course. Um, so that that part in the series was first of all it was so big, you know, it was a big turning point in the series uh, for Vane. Uh, what do you think about him exercising that demon in that uh, first season? Going back, you know what? I thought that that was that, that was cool because that was the one where he had the mud all over his body <laughs> and he was all commando, right? Uh, 
<laughs> doing this thing. Yeah, you know what? I thought that that was a uh, that was a cool moment, and it actually, you know, the way that the fight was going, you kind of felt like there was a chance that he might have lost. And um, I thought him exercising those demons were cool, but you know, the show is taking its liberties, and one of the aspects. Uh, that they kind of switched up about the vein was this whole storyline about him being kind of like a former slave or whatever and whatnot. Because I, I think that was one of the things that kind of made Charles Vane a little bit more likable. Mm -hmm. The fact that there were different times in the series where, um, like when they, when, you know, when, um, when Rackham was using the slaves to do their work, and then they had that scene where Vane was going out there trying to actually work with them. And uh, I think, who was it? Um, who was it who told him that they had to recognize who was in charge and who wasn't? I can't remember who he had that discussion with. Um, was that Eleanor's, uh, 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 what's his name? Who was the brother that used to take care of Eleanor? Oh, Scott. Uh, Mr. Scott. Mr. Scott. Was that Mr. Scott that told Vane that they had to understand the difference of who was in charge? Y'all remember was. that conversation? Yeah, oh, I yeah. think it you was. Know what? Yeah. It was Mr. Scott. They were at the fort. They were at the yeah. fort, and he was telling him why why Vane shouldn't work alongside the slaves. Yeah, absolutely. I, I thought that that was one of the things that they took liberties as opposed to the, the real Captain Vane. I think that that made him more of a likable um, character. So... Uh, you know, I definitely thought that his whole journey with exercising those demons, it all led into, you know, what we saw later on in the season. And uh, I thought that that was kind of cool, but they, you know, they put some stank on that one. <laughs> and, you know, it, uh -huh, it, wait, if, if we're being really honest <clears throat> and, uh, you know, there's there's no nice way to sort of say this. I know that what when when you have really when you reached beloved character status, it's hard to talk in in this sort of a frank way about how the character is but in all honesty vain despite what you just said yardley despite the 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 softening of the character which i do think was actually intentional vain is the kind of character who is i think supposed to be unlikable everything that charles vane did throughout just about every part of the series was I don't want to say that it was self-serving, but it had the air of, I need, this needs to happen because I say that it needs to happen. Um, there's very little that happens with Charles Vane that is not sort of at the, a direction that is supposed to be self-serving for him. And, and it's not that I'm saying that Charles Vane is selfish, it's there is a there's an aspect of piracy which is take what's yours which i think that charles vane was supposed to embody and then they had to kind of soften the edges because otherwise he would become too much like ned low but in all but th that is the quintessentially every time vane d did anything in the the entire series to sort of well maybe is he going to do the quote unquote right thing it, it always turned out that it was something that wasn't, he, like he didn't even want to die in a way that was not on his own terms. The, that's how strong that character trait went through him. And you can admire that, but it totally isn't the kind of thing that is going to make him a likable character 
under any circumstances. So when people are sort of like, you know, glomming on to the we love Charles Vane, I don't think that they're really thinking about the character as much as they're thinking about the persona of a Charles Vane. Right. Well said. Yeah, very well said. Oh, wow, uh, you have a feature in this podcasting thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, Thank you. I'm here. I remember you. very like the first out. two episodes. I remember at the end of the first episode, we joked about how he killed the uh, the old black guy from Arrested Development. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> like uh, I think he did it like two episodes in a row. He killed some random old black guy, uh, and it, I remember thinking at the time, going. Like, oh, man, you know, like they were trying to set him up to be this, you know, this guy that maybe you wouldn't like or whatever. And, uh, you, you know, and as it went along, you know, I guess it was their intention to uh, to make him not as. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Jen said it best. Softened him up. Softened a him up. Bit. Like it's like this. When you watch the movie uh, um, Goodfellas. Henry Hill looks like a good guy in comparison to Joe Pesci, right? Because Joe Pesci is like an evil bastard in that movie. So you go, Henry Hill wasn't that bad. But really, if you look, Henry Hill was an evil bastard too, right? (laughs) You make some good points. And Jen could probably attest to this. When we first started the group up, because remember, there was definitely a ton of posts that were mostly Eleanor and Vane related, especially like in the early goings of the group. Mm-hmm. And I know that Vane was totally for a while, you know, he really rose to the top of probably being like the most discussed character. And some of the things that we just discussed about how some you know people would put him on a pedestal. And back when I used to post in the group, it was like I would go in there and then once I kind of saw people trying to put him on too high of a pedestal, like I had to like, once again, parachute in, <laughs> and shoot up the joint, you know what I'm saying? And, but just to kind of remind people of some of the points, you know, that, that we have to say, it's like, man, you know, I, you just can't, you remember we had this conversation watching The Walking Dead about Merle. You remember the episode right. where he died and he let yeah. Michelle out the car? And then you had people talking about, oh yeah, you know, his character totally turned around. I'm like, that don't make you not racist because you let the, the black girl out of the car to go back to <laughs> save your, his brother. Right. <laughs> I was right. like, it had nothing to do with, he was, he was cool. No, he was the same racist asshole throughout the whole series. And he made a calculated decision to let her go because he thought that she would be the best chance to save the brother. And that's kind of kind of uh, the way that you have to remind people about Charles Vane. It's kind of funny. It totally parallels that experience. Yeah. yeah it's funny. And we, we often talk about this on all these different shows that it, we see, you know, we see it from their point of view. So in their story, they're the good guy. But then if you yep. do it from another point of view, then they're the good guy. That's why, like the movie Heat, is really interesting because you see it from both the good, the quote unquote guy with the black hat and the guy with the white hat. So it makes you kind of go. You're so used to seeing it for either or side, right? Either it's going to be where the antihero is the main point, the main person, or the actual hero. So in this case, it's very interesting that we're we root for Vane because we follow Vane. And, you know, we want him to succeed because he's, you know, he becomes a likable character. But, you know, you could do another story where Vane is totally the villain, where you're going to want, you know, you want him to to get killed off. You know, you could 
totally do that story where he is the villain, you know? And so it's just the way, it's the perspective of how they show it to us as an audience. Well, well, and, and also, and I think that this is, this is quintessential to the vein, uh, to the vein character art throughout the seasons. <clears throat> there's a, there's a level of, vein was very honorable to himself. That is, there was a level of honesty and integrity that was completely all Charles Vane, and he would never deviate from that. So, you know, respect for that, but it certainly didn't comport with everything else that was sort of happening where where the pirates were maybe not as, <laughs> I hate using this term as an adjective, but not as piratey <laughs> as Charles Vane was, they were still sort of struggling with their own connections to civility, which is why I think so many of them took the pardons in the end. But the, the, this idea that, because if you, if you say that out loud, if you say, you know, so many pirates took the pardons in the end, and then you apply that to Charles Bane, it's like, there's no way that is just, it's, that's not ever happening. Charles Bane would never take the pardon because that's not who he is. So that thread runs through, but then everything else about Charles Bane throughout the entire series sort of makes you feel like it's not that he's necessarily the bad guy. It's that Charles Bain has nobody to answer to except himself. And and even when he's dealing with Flint and even when he's dealing with Teach, he's still only dealing with himself in that regard. It's it there's not usually this and that's again why I think Yardley's point is really spot on. The the whole idea of giving him some softening edge around the slave idea, which is central point with the Maroons later, becomes so pivotal because it does sort of keep him out of the realm of, oh my God, this is just a total monster. And it makes him more personable. Now, you know what? I've got a question for all y'all. And Kenzie, I definitely want to get your, your, your take on this. Do you think if they would have worked this series in a way that would have made Vane pretty much the dominant figure? Because, you know, like we knew going through the series that kind of Flint was kind of like the the thing that everything else worked off of. Do you think if they would have kind of switched that up and had Vane, you know, a little bit you know, higher up on how things flowed out, uh, do you think the series would have worked or do you think that Vane's position, you know, kind of like on the outside of like Flint and Silver as the series went on, do you think that that worked best or you think they could have pulled it off the other way? That's interesting that you say that. Uh, I, I Honestly, I, I, well, they're really good writers, so they probably would have made it work. But just based on what we've seen, I don't think so. I, I think that uh, his character works best uh, if we're just going to be that same character that we got because it, it, that character probably would have to evolve a little bit more. I, I think he, it works the way that it was. Like, you know, it had to be shown through Flint's eyes, I think, to to give it what, you know, what we all know and love. I think Vane was really good for what he was. And so... Because, like, ultimately, when he met his demise, you know, ultimately, when he met his demise, you know, of course, the fans were upset, right? But, honestly, the show went on. I don't know if it could have went on without Flint. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know that, uh, I mean, they would have figured out a way, but, I mean, obviously, he's key to 
the, the hiding of the, the, the booty. <laughs> but but I, I think it works best the way that it is. And I don't I don't know that it would have worked the same with Vane being the, the main person. Yeah, I'm, I, I don't think with Vane being like more of the Flint type, I don't think it would have worked as well. And like you said, as Kente said, numbers, the writers would have made it work, but I don't think it would have flowed as well as it did. And I don't think it would have, you know, I don't think the seasons, you know, the you know, first first or two seasons would have been, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think they'd have gone, I think it just kind of would have died off after like, you know, halfway through the second season, maybe if they would have put, you know, Vane as the main person, just the way the characters uh, played against each other, you know, made it all work. And if they had to put Vane as the main one, I think they would have had to done, they would have had done a whole lot more to it. And, you know, silver would have had a bigger, I had probably had to brought more, I don't know. It would change. I think it would change the whole dynamics of the of the of the series if they would have had Bane as the uh, main character instead of Flint. Let me, can I can I ask uh, um, Janet this question? Because I have to ask you because you are the the lady of the bunch. So that means you represent all women who watch the show. So everything's oh, on yeah, your oh, shoulders. Boy, that's so you are the representative <laughs> of all women that ever watch the show. So uh, I'm just Ooh, okay. putting I'll that out there. Try to live up to this responsibility. Um, was Vane that good of a character? Uh, because most of the, I, I mean, there were guys that liked his character quite a bit, but it was really the, the female audience that seemed to really <laughs> love Vane. Was it because his character was such a fascinating, well-rounded character or was it mainly because, oh. you know, er, you know, uh, the eye candy aspect of it? Do, do you, do you think that was the, the would, or can you separate it? You know, I, I've, I've actually gone back and forth on this a lot because initially I was really intrigued by Vane's character. <clears throat> intrigued enough to, like, make me think, wow, this could definitely turn into something good. Um, and and then I found it hard to separate out this sort of uh, complex understanding of he's the bad boy and he's clearly the bad boy and and he's attractive and he's got some charismatic function that makes him larger than life. And that is a huge draw. I mean, that's a, it's just a massive draw. But when it comes to was he the character that all women kind of want to get to know, I don't think that that's true. Mm-hmm. I think what it, what it sort of represents is this wrote, vein in black sails was the was the romance novel version of every sort of rogue that there is. <laughs> and, and, and it is extremely compelling. It is very compelling. As a woman, it is very compelling. Well, as, as for many women, I can't speak to all of them. But, yes, you can. But On this show, you, you, you are. About, there, was, <laughs> there was enough about Charles Vane in, in sort of the character makeup that made you like him because he was that trope. Now, it, there's something sort of interesting, though, that I think that has been sort of overlooked in terms of why people, why women especially like Charles Vane. There is something about the relationship that Charles Vane has with Eleanor, which is stormy and, to say the least, 
and and sort of back and forth in control. And and I feel like that is sort of at the at the heart of a whole lot of really epic uh, character kind of pieces that deal with those. It, it's it's almost like you know. Th- not a whole lot of writers are brave enough to venture into that where where the relationship is so stormy that, it, I mean, it borders, you know, it doesn't border, I shouldn't even say that. It absolutely was abusive. It was both mentally abusive, verbally abusive, physically abusive. I mean, it, it met every single hallmark. But inside of a safe story, it makes it so compelling to explore so it becomes something i think larger than it actually sort of represents because 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 i think most thinking not most thinking that's the wrong way to say it because i think that most people if they were to meet a charles vane in real life they would be very repelled by him i don't know there's a lot of women out there that make terrible decisions and who they mess with so uh (laughs) (laughs) i don't i don't know about that but you know it's funny that now that i hear you say that they do kind of look like the cover art of a of a silly uh historical romance novel with a pirate in it. <laughs> like like he looks like he <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and actually their it's relationship true. does kind of fit that you know and even the tragic you know what they have another story in there that's a trashy uh pirate historical pirate drama romance novel harlequin story yeah that's funny it, it and and it's and it's way more violent and it's way more gritty and it's way more sort of like hyper realistic which makes it even more compelling because you don't normally get that again most people are not brave enough to tell that story and i don't mean brave as in like there's something good about it i mean brave as in you know exposing sort of the truth the good the bad and the ugly about what that looks like that's a ho- that's a huge thing to try to accomplish and it, as much as i didn't like a lot of stuff that happened in season 1 between the two of them I, I have to take my hat off to them as the writers because they really put forward this sort of look if this is the relationship that you're in this is what's going to happen yeah um let me let me ask another question to the you know, I, I was going to say this for the end, but I think this is a good question to ask now. Uh, okay, uh, Charles Vane was played by Zach McGowan. Uh, we we went on and on about how great, uh, you know, uh, um, Toby uh, Stevens played uh, Flint. How do you guys think overall Zach McGowan's performance was during the series? And what do you think some of his highlight acting moments were playing Vane? Ooh, man, I think people probably have their fair share of, share of those. I thought that Zach McGowan did a good job, but at the same time, going in, I really had no expectations of how the character would be played. But from, you know, but from what I got from beginning to end, I thought that he did a great job. I'll say my greatest highlights was when uh, the attack when they got Ned Low when they killed <laughs> Ned Low. I thought that that was a great one. Yeah. Um, also, when he and Flint got in the fight, uh, that was broken up by um, Eleanor. Um, I thought that that was a good one. Uh, it would be too easy to pick, you know, when he got, you know, um, when he got lynched. But I'll just, I'll prob, I'll probably say that most of my favorite scenes was any time that he picked up a sword because it was always really exciting, and you always knew that he would somehow get out of it. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I, 
I, as far as his performance, I mean, I think I, you know, he did a really good job as far as portraying the character. And, uh, you know, as, as like, as far as favorite scenes, uh, I mean, I like the, the fight that, uh, you know, between him and Flint. And, uh, also I like where he, you know, where he went and helped to rescue Flint right. and all that. So, uh, there's a lot of, a lot of like, I don't know if you call them favorites, but a lot of scenes that I liked that he did, but I think he, I think he really, uh, they, I think they picked a good person to play the bad guy or the bad, the, or the bad boy in the series. So yeah, he did good. He, he reminds you of yourself when you were a young man, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, you know, because you know, I, I mean, I did you know help him you know prepare for the role and stuff, and like <laughs> body bodybuilding and the hairstyle and stuff. And like, Dude, do this. You know. I, I believe I believe everything you said. <laughs> I may be the only one, but I, I believe you. All right, okay, Jen. Think, so, what about you? What I do you think, What do you think? I think my favorite Vade moment was definitely, and this actually got echoed in the group, was uh, his speech in Charleston. Uh, the, the you could tell there was something. I don't know whether Zach McGowan actually ever connected with Charles Vane, although in some ways, I I. It is hard for me now to see Zach McGowan in just about anything and not see Charles Vane. I mean, when Zach McGowan is uh, is in anything now, we all say, oh, look, check it out. Charles Vane is on TV. Like, that is how, in my head, ingrained it is that, you know, that is the character. <clears throat> but, but, the, but if for whatever reason in that particular scene, it seemed like Zach McGowan made some kind of super crossover moment where he connected with that character in a way that I hadn't seen him connect at to that point. It was passionate, but it was every bit a Charles Vane moment to give that speech. And, and, and that, and the moment when he raises his hands above his head, which I mean, symbolically is so crazy. He's in chains and he, raises his hands above his head in chains for the strike. There, there was something so incredibly, again, just symbolic about that moment, which, which I feel like Zach McGowan completely captured. And I don't know if another actor could have done that. I, there's something about Zach McGowan's physical stature, which definitely was all Charles Vane. But there's something... You know, did you ever hear him when he puts on his Vane voice? Because when he's not Charles Vane, he doesn't talk like that. Right. There's something like super gravelly about that voice. Uh, when he does that voice, I swear, his persona becomes Charles Vane. So, yeah. I remember he was on an episode of Law and Order, SVU, and where he played a cellist or something like that. Or something like that. Uh or or was he a, a violin player or some famous violinist? Yeah, there you go, violinist, right? And I'm saying, was he the one that was raped? I can't remember. Uh, but it was it was something where he ended up drunk or something, and didn't. Oh no, he got drunk or drugged, but the drug made him rape somebody or something. It was something crazy. It was something real silly. But the whole right. time I'm thinking vain. The whole time, so yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's funny though. Um, I thought he was—he did a, a really excellent job, and I, I thought, you know, his performance was very good. And he—he he, he kind of grew on me as it went along. 
So, uh, yeah, I got to give him props, definitely. And he, he's going to be on uh, the the new season of The Walking Dead, I believe. So that'll be yeah. interesting. Yeah, that'll be real interesting. And, and the Bad, bad Boys spinoff. Yeah, the, the Bad Boys spinoff, too, or something like that. Oh, wow. See, I didn't, see? so he's coming something. up. He's coming up in the world. Yeah. Now, we, we can't not talk about... Because we know, like I said, all of the, this show is a relationship show, really. And these characters almost are defined by their relationships. And we we have to talk about him and uh, Blackbeard's relationship. I love how uh, Jen, she uh, she doesn't say Blackbeard. She says teach. Because, you know, she, she's going <laughs> to she's gonna say it properly. But uh, I, I'm going to say Blackbeard. Uh, you can't have a name that cool and not use it, right? So, uh, um, first of all, I love how on this show, they in it was the first episode. They they almost tease Blackbeard, uh, you know, in a weird way that, that eventually he's going to be on the show. Do you guys remember that? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Uh, I mean, I thought that was so funny, and I think we even we were wondering too, like at some point, are we going to get Blackbeard on the show, or you know. Or something like that. Uh, I remember, though, when Ray Stevens came on to play Blackbeard. And he was the perfect actor uh, to play. You know, first of all, he's a great actor. Uh, he's a fantastic actor. And he was excellent as Blackbeard. And I, I thought they did such a great job of, you know, like, honestly. And I think we said this on one of our podcasts that um, Blackbeard... Like it was better that he came in like the third season, because it, he would have he might have overshadowed a lot of the other characters because he you know the more recognizable and whatnot, and I I liked how by the time they brought him in it was a perfect integration you know of this iconic character, and I thought one of the cool aspects of Blackbeard was his relationship with with uh, Vane, and you got to see. You know how they had this. I mean, Blackbeard loved Charles Vane, like truly loved Charles Vane, right? And that moment when he betrays him for Flint, and the look on Blackbeard's face of just hurt. You know, I mean, that was a powerful moment. Like he was so offended and so hurt, more so hurt than anything. Do you guys remember that moment? And what did you guys think? Oh yeah. So what do you yeah, think, Jen? About were you surprised when it happened? I was. Mm-hmm. And being that you, we know what their relationship is, um, how hard do you think that was for Vane, uh, Jan? Jen? Jen? I, I I think it was extremely hard. But you know, I, I have an unconventional uh, feeling about about teaching and Vane. Okay. I, I and I expressed this in the group, and I got all kinds of pushback. So apparently, I'm an island unto myself for this. But I, you know, I I felt like cause don't get me wrong the the character of of Edward Teach is an amazing character, and I totally agree with you that that everything about that character I think probably would have dominated the story and took it away from Flint, which I think would not be good. Mm-hmm. But where they where Vane and Teach intersect 
it always drove me crazy. And I think maybe it drove me crazy because at that point I still, you know, had this feeling like, look, I like Vane to be the bad guy. I like for him to be sort of the the untouchable of of the pirates who is always going to kind of have his own mind and not be controlled by anybody else. And when Vane, when Teach came into the picture, I felt like it just it just diminished Charles Vane to the point where it was actually kind of disturbing. And I pointed out in the group that, you know, there were so many shots where they go out of their way to make Charles Vane look shorter than, uh, than Teach, which is, I mean, that's a real thing. But that, that always in almost every shot by stature, there is something lesser about the shot where Vane is in it and Teach is always in the foreground or there's something important happening with Teach and Vane is, is sort of relocated to the back of the bus, if you will. And it always bugged me. But the, but the pushback that I got, which I thought was really interesting and good, was people said, no, 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 see, you're misunderstanding. That is actually how it's supposed to be, that Teach is supposed to be way stronger than Vane, and, and this was all 100% on the up and up because there's no way that anybody could be more sort of powerful than, than Teach. And I can totally agree with that, but it just, I don't know, it's like, of course, where did Vane get all his power? Where did he get all his sort of, you know, good magic from? Well, he got it from Teach. But there's something about Charles Vane being sort of uh, unto himself, which I I found disturbing with the with the Teach storyline. I don't know. Again, um, this is I apparently am just on my own with this. No, I I, I mean I'm cool with it though. Uh, I, I, I hear what you're saying, and I'm actually cool with that. I like the fact that, that that's what happened. You know, but, you know, I, I, that's me, though. That is me. Um, but I, I definitely hear you. So you got some big-time pushback, huh? Uh, like, what was the pushback? Like, uh, what was the pushback that you got? Well, I think mostly the pushback was just, no, listen, you're wrong. That you know, it didn't diminish Charles Vane in any way. It just highlighted the uh, the relationship that was mentor and student. It just, uh, it always sort of made me think that 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 was so contrived on the part of the writers to give teach this role above Vane where I think they could have done it differently where it didn't sort of break the Vane uh, character in, in the way that it did it, because I mean I don't know I you know I'm not one of the writers so I I guess I'm just sort of speculating and second guessing it just it broke the continuity of who Charles Vane was in my head that that he was not controlled, but under the dominion of someone else. When I feel like he was not subjugated by anybody else, and mm. it just always felt wrong to me. So, and the the pushback was good. I mean, people honestly gave this quite a bit of thought. It seems that 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 the teach character in relationship to Charles Vane was sort of right on point. So, I I I can't argue with that. I think there's definitely something to be said there. It's just. In my head, it just broke all the continuity of who Charles Vane was. 
Um, it's but you know what though, if you think about it, if you some of the baddest baddest ass people I've ever known, right? They command a room, and you know they they have that swagger about them. But then their father will come by, or that guy that that you know showed them the ropes and really gave them the swag that they got, you know, or or taught them. They come around, and then all of a sudden they be kind of they become the student. You know what I mean? In that yeah. room. Yeah. So I've seen that in real life. I don't know if maybe Yardley's seen this too, where. You know, there's always that person that you kind of, that uh, no matter how badass they are, that they got that super ultra respect for where they'll, they'll take back, they'll take back because they have so much respect for that person. And I always, that's why it didn't diminish it for me because I, that's why I kind of saw it as, it's kind of like, that's the street dude that he learned, you know, everything from that he has all this respect for. Mm -hmm. Agree. Right. So, uh, yeah, because Teach taught him everything, Blackbeard taught him everything. And so, like I said, when they get back together, teacher, student, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, logically, it does make sense. I mean, there's there's no doubt about it. When you when you spell it out all on paper, when you stick it inside of a Venn diagram, yes, it makes sense. But from just from my own sort of where is teach, I had a very visceral reaction to <laughs> Vane being again under the dominion of any person it just seemed wrong so well you know i got a lot of my students out there you know and you know they'll fall back when i come around so you know i understand Ooh. i understand i'm, I'm, I'm the black I'm, I'm hey look olaf i'm the black beard of my circle so <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me stop yeah. before i get shot <laughs> But uh, no, I, I I definitely feel you. That's an interesting um, point of view that you have there about it. But you know, I just really I enjoyed their relationship, and ultimately, like you know, when Vane is finally killed, the response of Blackbeard, uh, you know, which went against everything. You know, pirates are pretty much they're not a nonprofit organization you know <laughs> like you know it's not pirates for you know for africa or pirates for autism <laughs> or you know what i'm saying it's pirates their whole thing is for profit looting getting money you know they're not they're not gonna they're on a, not on no revenge missions you know what i'm saying it's all about you know what can line our pockets whereas blackbeard kind of put well blackbeard put them on a get some get back for me. Right. And which really goes against the whole piracy thing. Right. So it's very interesting that, uh, and you know, I'm sure like, cause I'm trying to remember, but did some of his men kind of take issue with that? I can't, I can kind of remember that where they were like, Oh, you know, I didn't sign up to be getting revenge for your homie, you know, like, yeah, yeah. That, that was one of the little things that were floating around. But he he was so dead set on getting that get back, you know, because even though he had betrayed him, that's still his boy, you know, it's still his, his Yeah. Boy. Well well remember there was also a point where Ann Bonnie had kind of reminded Rackham kind of the same thing. Why are we gonna throw our lives away for a guy who's already dead? Like Right. Uh, <laughs> that was actually something that she said. So yes, it's only one. Right. And I I just love that too because she she had definitely had a point you know. Uh, 
you know, at this point, homie gone. You know, it was like. So you know, you know, it it. What's funny to me is that is that the 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 pirate who had the most, uh, the most, who had basically the the most insular of all motives for being involved in NASA's future. Basically, like you said, to line his own pockets to, you know, there was nothing altruistic about Charles Vane. And, but, (coughs) excuse me, but ironically, it was Charles Vane's death that actually propelled NASA into what it ultimate, what ultimately happened with people being willing to fight back. Like there's so, I don't think that Vane died a martyr's death. That never felt right to me. I always felt like Vane simply did what he believed was the, uh, at the moment, the most important thing to do, which is die on his own terms. And, and it's funny how many people rallied then to, to to his cause if you will as if he was a martyr when i don't i don't think that that was vane's intention at all but it still had the unintended consequence of rallying everybody together like how dare you you know flippantly kill one of ours despite the fact that all these men had pardons you know it did that didn't matter yeah that that was something else, yeah. Because I, I don't see. Did you? Did you guys see Vane as being like a galvanizing force while he was alive? Because I didn't. No, I didn't see him that way. And I don't think he. Yeah, I didn't think he saw himself as that. He just, you know, he was like, like I'm just doing me. You know. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. That's how he saw it, but I, so, you know, he, but you know, he this brave guy though, because you know, death. He didn't fear death. He looked death right in the face and said, "F you." Now, death won. Don't, don't you think that there's some irony though in the way that he, in the way that that he sort of again that he galvanized all of the rest of the pirates because he died, that because of the way he died. Yeah, that. I no, agreed. I mean, there yeah. was there was definitely a, a calculated, you know, thing behind that. So yeah, you're right. Because I think Billy thing. would have tried to go save him. It's a, yeah. I, I think uh, Billy would have. I think Billy would have been like, yeah, okay, well, okay, we may die, but let's just do this thing. Yeah, I'm looking at. Uh, I was trying to make it where people where I could put it, you know, in the live thing, but it wasn't. It was acting stupid. But uh, I forgot his last words were "get on with it, motherfucker." <laughs> Get on with it, motherfuckers. <laughs> I love it. I, I love it. That wouldn't be my last word. My last words would be like, "Stop! <laughs> Don't kill me." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think I would have been an OG in my death. <laughs> you know, I'd have been like, "I'd be like, we can work out a deal. I'll tell." I'm telling. I'll tell. <laughs> like I tell you, I know where, where the I know where the treasure's at. Don't do it. <laughs> I I'd have told on Flynn. I'd have told on Eleanor. I'd have told on everybody. Like just don't put me in the noose. But, oh my God, Kente, you are Billy. I look, hey. <laughs> I'm like, hey. At the end of the day, I'd be like, I'm a pirate. 
<laughs> you know. Uh, he's, <laughs> well, I mean, he's Billy or Brianna Tarth. <laughs> hey, come on now. Sword. It's the same thing. Oh, wow. I forgot how violent. Yeah, he, he got. Oh, yeah, that looks pretty, pretty awful. <laughs> Him getting uh, getting done in there. I'm looking at it on YouTube. Thank God for YouTube. So we can see. Oh, look, you got everything on here. Flint versus Blackbeard. Uh, thank good for illegal uploaders. Do, you know, Yardley, <laughs> I, I got to ask you this question. What do you think was uh, for for it, well over the course of the entire series, but specifically? In season one and season two, did you ever feel until they went to Charlestown? Did you ever feel like Charles Vane was on the wrong side of the uh, of the the of the story? Did you ever feel like there was a right and wrong side of the story? You, within the first, you said two the seasons. First season, first two seasons. Yeah. I, I, the, the the thing about it for me and. The, the things that I thought about Charles Vane as a character. I mean, quite honestly, I wasn't really a big fan of the character the first two seasons, you know. I, I always gravitated more around, of course, you know, all know, you know, Flint and Silver, those characters are my guys or whatever. Those were the, the characters that I probably felt the strongest about from beginning to end. When it comes to Charles Vane, I really didn't dig him at all, just mainly because he didn't seem to kind of be in line with the characters that I gravitated towards. So for me, um, I, I know that Charles Vane is a fan favorite person, but I, I'm going to be honest with you, Jen. I totally poo-pooed his character off probably the first two seasons. I thought he was okay. It was probably the Batman voice and the weasel look that, that I just didn't really like that he wasn't necessarily with the characters that I you know that I really held close you know uh, the ones that I really liked so I, I don't know I, I might not be the person you want to ask about that because I just don't Vane's character in essence was kind of a blur to me until down the stretch you know I, I just kind of thought of him as just that person that had to be in the story to push it along um, we gotta, you know, when he, when he fought Ned Lowe, <laughs> you know, and then comes out, you know, with his head in his hand, much like, yeah. much like, uh, when Jason had, uh, Freddie's head, uh, and <laughs> versus Jason, uh, <laughs> that was pretty, that was, that was, that, that was pretty brutal. You know what? Actually, I, I would have to say when it comes to Charles Vane, I liked his story arc mostly when it was combined with Eleanor. Everything right. else, and I know that you know things stemmed out from that. But I was probably the most focused when he and Eleanor were together, as opposed to him and his interactions with other characters. You know, it's funny though. After you kill someone's father, I think that pretty much ruins all oh the chances chances of <laughs> a relationship in the future. That was something that I used to get into in the group about. I was like, "Why is Eleanor the bad person?" For speeding up his execution, I'm like he killed, he killed the, her daddy. Right, <laughs> like like people people couldn't get their heads around like 
You know what I mean? I don't care how good you are in bed. You kill my fucking daddy. Right. <laughs> and we got some issues. Yeah. Well, and, and oh, and okay. So if Eleanor, let's just throw this around. If Eleanor had done that or caused the death of, let's say, Teach, everybody on the planet would have been rooting for Charles Vane to hurry up and speed Eleanor's death. Well, mm-hmm. I, I, I feel like the people in the group, most of the people in the group, not everybody, but most of the people in the group recognize that there is definitely a gender bias. Yeah, so, but these you know, are women. Female though. pirates don't get the same kind of, and it, especially Eleanor, who is sort of the unconventional female pirate. And then, but these are women though that are doing that. These are women that are are mad at Eleanor for speaking. Oh yeah, absolutely. yeah. So that, the, the gender bias is by women. <laughs> yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Right. I, I I feel like it's ridiculous. Us guys, we're sitting there ridiculous. saying, I can understand. You get the day. And that that <laughs> and that was my main one of the main things and one of the main. Um, I mean, I always kind of took up Eleanor because she, she was she really was kind of villainized, which was like the opposite of what I used to do with Lily Bell. <laughs> but I, I kind of understood, you know, even though her father might not have been the best dude, at the same time, it was because of him that helped to afford her the opportunities that she had, you know, being where she was at. And it's just it's just it's your pops, you know what I mean? So for me, that's why I always kind of, you know. I kind of felt for the character because I'm like, I don't know if you're getting a fair shake. I mean, you can't kill somebody's pops or their moms and then think that you're know, gonna walk out of there. Yeah, and we just had him on the show too <laughs> when he did it. <laughs> Sorry, <no. laughs> you pushed him off the cliff, I guess. <laughs> uh, also, also that that see that in and of itself speaks to uh, the 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 level of sort of. Boy, scoundrel is not even the right word. It's it's the level of villainy that is Charles Vane, and that's one of the reasons that I again I feel like people gave him a little bit too much sort of uh, happy love. It the, anybody who could kill somebody else's dad that you had been intimately involved with, I don't care what your political machinations were, that speaks to a level of depravity which is really. I mean, that's low, low, low. That's really black when you think about it. You know what, and I, I, I personally, I think, although, although I will say this, right? I don't, I can't imagine Charles Vane doing anything other than what he did because, the, because the culmination of killing uh, um, Richard was was to me at that point that was really all about payback to Eleanor that was really all about that wasn't killing Richard because he stood for some higher principle I don't care what his note said Charles Vane killed Richard because he was trying to get back at Eleanor for stealing Abigail I don't. I don't see any other way around that because if the, the if that really were the case, then at any other time, Vane could have ridden out, found Richard, and killed him, and he didn't. You know, I'm going through the group. I'm going through the group right now as we're on doing the show, and I'm starting to feel like Jacqueline has a crush on uh, Silver. You think? Just a, t- just a little, little bit. bit. Just a little bit. I. I 
I think yeah. she, she has a little crush on. It's barely perceptible, but it's there. I've we uncracked it. The, I've uncracked again. the code, like the Da Vinci code. I've uncracked the code. <laughs> I think she has a crush on uh, Flint. Uh, you know, I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. No, I'm just. I'm I just had to throw it in. What's this hashtag Silver Celebration? What is this? So every week in the group, we sort of do something a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes we celebrate the ships. Sometimes we celebrate one of the actors. Sometimes we go through different pairings. We we basically create like a thematic uh, piece for the week. And this week it was silver. Oh, I bet she was all in for I that. Think, uh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. What's this I, picture? I think, actually, there's well, a picture? I think it's Luke Arnold's birthday this week. Wait a minute. There's a picture of him laying in bed. Uh, wait a minute. Not just playing. <laughs> <laughs> I see like a, a, a creepy pasta, you know, creepy pasta. And it was something like it was on a Snapchat where this guy was getting stalked by his uh, schoolmate. And then he fell asleep when he woke up. He looked on um, Snapchat, and the guy was oh, had been standing over his bed taking photos <laughs> of the guy. I was like, oh, wow, that is creepy. Yeah, that person would have got killed. Kilt. <laughs> but uh, hopefully uh, nobody does that to uh, old Silver over there. He's, I think he's You know what I want to know Arnold. about Charles Vane? I want to know why the writers, and I guess I'll never get this answer, but <clears throat> I want to know why the writers saw fit to basically, while everybody else has sort of multiple love interests, Charles Vane had one, and that was it. <laughs> hmm. That's interesting, yeah. Uh. I don't know he if... Was, I, he I, was just I one of those one-women guys, you know. Was yeah, that's really? it. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> didn't he... Uh, I don't know. Didn't he get one... Didn't he... Did he ever go in the fuck tent? No, huh? N- no, but but he he Adele was uh, was in the in the fort because mm-hmm. Eleanor comes to scold him about not showing up for a meeting and she's there. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, I mean, it's, I'm not saying that he didn't like the the whores. I'm saying I'm saying that 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 when it comes to see. This this goes back to what we were talking about before, which is I don't think that they actually wanted to sort of soften Charles Vane too much. And I think if they had maybe introduced anybody else into that storyline, that it would have softened him too much. It would have sort of taken away the brash edge of who Charles Vane was. Yeah. I don't know. I could be wrong. I guess. Uh, I guess. <laughs> That's funny, though. Um Okay, so because the only the only character that to me feels like it was even close to uh, sort of the brutality of Charles Bain was Ned Lowe. Right, that's the only other character that sort of held his up. Well, Teach, of course, but it's the only other character that sort of had any of that magic, if you will, that was like, yeah, this is all pirate. Mm. Yeah, that's crazy. Okay, so. Uh... Any uh, last uh, thoughts about uh, Charles Vane? I, I I have just one. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I know I've done a lot of talking this podcast. No, 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 no. Um, but m- my one is, <clears throat> you know, I, it took me a long time and several viewings of the sort of the seasons altogether, but especially of season two, to really comprehend how deep-seated the 
what that sort of code that Charles Vane had and how it was sort of all his own. And it struck me like a ton of bricks when there's this moment where they're shelling the fort from the water. Flint is basically opened, the cannons have opened up on the fort. And Abigail is in the fort and Flint, or I'm sorry, Vane says, you know, take her back up or something, but protect her, something like that. And my immediate thought was, oh, wow, that's so compassionate. I This is like a totally sort of different feel. And then I went back and I watched a couple of more times and I realized that Charles Vane it had nothing to do with compassion. It had to do with learning his lesson that what happened to Max on the beach was not something that he was ready to take the political ramifications for again. So he decided, no, 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 no. See, this time we're going to do it right. I'm going to protect this person, not let anything happen to them so that there is no fallout from this. And then we can move on with the bigger plans. Does that, you know what I'm saying? Like, it took me forever to realize that everything that Charles Vane does was so calculated and nothing was sort of uh, empathetic in the way that, yeah, gee, this this person has uh, a little, like, the softer edge. Everything was super calculated. Mm. I just had to mention that because it was such a pivotal turning point for how I felt about Charles Vane. And, and you know what? And for me, like I said, even though he wasn't, he grew on me as the series went on. First two seasons, not so much. But the last two seasons, he's definitely started to grow on me. And I felt like from start to finish, I thought the part that the writers made him play, I thought that it totally worked. And at least for me, I thought that Vane became a better character after he got killed off the show. Yes. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Definitely. 100%. Okay, so um, I want to thank you guys for uh, this uh, awesome episode. Uh, uh, Next week, you know, this week we'll let the fans, we'll do another poll, let the fans decide who we're going to interview. I have a feeling it might be Silver, possibly. Uh, (laughs) If it's up to Jacqueline, it might be. But, but, you know, we'll see. Um, So we'll be back next Tuesday for another retrospective. Um, I want to uh, quickly, though, before we before we say uh, goodbye, um, I think we yeah we already said it in this body of this episode. Zach McGowan will be on uh, Walking Dead um, season nine uh, this season, right? Yeah, this season nine, and also Andrew Lincoln. It came out just came out. Andrew Lincoln is not going to be on the new season of um, I'm sorry, in season ten of The Walking Dead. Nine will be his last season as well. So I wanted to put that out there. Um, also, uh, real quick, uh, did you see Solo, uh, Yardley? No, I haven't seen it yet. Oh, okay. So anyone seen it? I did. What'd you think? Yes. I I was like, it was good. I I liked it. I thought it was good. I thought it was a good movie. Yeah, I thought it was, I I thought it was okay. Yeah, I saw it Sunday night. Yeah, I mean, I would say the last hour or whatever was much better than the first hour so it was okay and I thought oh, the guy the guy who played him um, Aldrich I think his name is uh, I thought he, he Alden Ehrenreich or something yeah I thought yeah. he did a good job you know like uh, by the end of the movie I believed him so I thought you know I thought it was it did good 
Uh, poor, I, I haven't seen it yet, but I heard that there's a, a robot human romance in it, so now I have to see it. I didn't like that shit. <laughs> I didn't like that shit. I was like, really? They're going to have the brothers messing around with a robot? Really? Yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, really? I was like, you bastards. Like, oh what? God, you guys are so not progressive. What is wrong? I'm like, I'm sitting there like Lando is a player. He could do much oh. better than a dang robot. Come on now. Call me Ebenezer Scrooge when it comes to Lando, then. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I hate, I'm, uh, glad, I'm glad so, you made Sometimes you just have to leave stuff alone. Sometimes you just try to do too much. You know what I mean? Right. Like, why? Sometimes things are already baked and the way it needs to be. And here you go reheating this shit, making it tough. Yeah, I'm just like, really? It was That was pretty uh, weird. Uh, we're not talking about a robot like Westworld robot. You know, we're talking about like a robot. Talking about a Westworld robot. Yeah, yeah, robot, robot. Okay, so wait a minute. So, so the levels of discrimination rise to as long as it looks like a human, then it's okay. You can say you can at least say it looked like a woman. He didn't. He didn't did say that it was okay. He was saying it just didn't even. Yeah, just in case I mean, people are thinking, oh, it's like a Westworld type there robot. Could have been a little bit more understanding. You know the. Thing if it was more human looking than what it was. Yeah, but, it looked know. like a, a, a freaking I mean, I, toaster oven, basically. Robot. Like even, though I haven't, even though I haven't laid any coin on it, like I, I've read, you know, everything about it or whatever. It, it didn't, you know, my sense of urgency, we'll see, it wasn't that high, so I've like. I mean, I, I, I mean, it was a good movie. It's like if you if you ever wanted to know how uh, Han Solo got his last name, you got it in this movie. If you wanted to know how Han Solo found, met Chewbacca, the movie tells you. you if you wanted yeah. to know how he got his blaster, it tells you. If you wanted to know how he did the Kessel Run in. What is it? Twelve parsecs. Twelve whatever? parsecs. Yeah, twelve parsecs. Guess what? You find out. Yeah, everything. Everything that you're saying <laughs> is stuff that I you didn't, I didn't, didn't need to know. But it the, didn't matter. There well, is a great you, moment. There is a great yeah, well, moment but, though at the end, and I'm not going to ruin it. Oh, uh, I know. You know what it is? Okay, I don't want to ruin it for Jen, but uh, I know Yardley. Yardley probably in my mind when I saw that scene. I said, Yardley's rolling his eyes at this. I know Chris Gray probably loved it if he saw it. You know what? I wish there was like a hidden camera on you seeing it, but you didn't see it, but you already know it. Because uh, <laughs> when, when it first was revealed, I was like, Where's Yardley at? Screen, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can hear my screams. <laughs> oh man, I, no. I, it made me. It made me. Oh, now I'm intrigued. Yeah, it's. A, well, I'm shocked you had heard one, it. Like everybody's you talking forgot about one it. of the other things that that they brought out in this movie. In uh, well, and when it came to like uh, Han, uh, how he met Chewie, uh, is that Han actually speaks Chewbaccaian. Right, because I don't think he never did before, right? You know, you, it's like the, throughout the other movies, you never really he just understands it. Like, he just, like, understands him. But uh, in other words, they actually show that he yeah, actually he, he speaks, speaks that language. Yeah, and kudos to him because his, his Wookiee was perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Does it tell you how he learned to speak it? Like, I'm like, really? Are they really in school? 
Like seriously, learning Wookie. Like well, how the hell did they know? <laughs> Like I'm just saying. like he's like an orphan or something. So this orphan is so swift that he learned uh, Wookie. Like, come on, we you know. I think it's more believable <laughs> that an orphan learns Wookie doing whatever Han Solo did coming up, <laughs> as opposed to Ray knowing Wookie on a fucking <laughs> desert. <laughs> but anyway, uh, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> That's you know true, I mean? right? She like, did know Wookie, right? You know. That is hilarious. Yeah. Oh man, are you are you with the uh, fire uh, Kathleen Kennedy crowd? Man, fire Kathleen Kennedy and give Dave Filoni the wheel. Thank you, Dave Filoni. Right? Oh man, you know it's funny, and um, uh, I know we got to get out of here, but when you watch like uh, a little bit of um, the Rebels and the Clone Wars and stuff, you're like, why isn't that guy? in charge of, you know, like, it's such... Because, because it makes too much sense. Oh, man. That's why I Hire mean, because he's passionate, I mean, because he knows the material, he's real passionate about it. And, I, and look, and, and Kathleen Kennedy, you know, her name's been attached to a, mm-hmm. you know, to a, a, a whole lot of stuff. I just don't believe that she loves Star Wars like Dave Filoni. Oh, no, You, you know what all. I'm saying? Not at all. I, I, I'm just saying, like, that's just my... That that's my observation. You know, I would have like, I would have hired him as her. I would have hired him to to get the storyline streamlined and all of that. I mean, th- of course he's yeah. I I don't get it. You know. Yeah. And 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 when you look at how deep, I mean, I get, we can do a whole show on this, but if you look how deep he you know takes it and you know, and he he was talking about the the lightsaber battles and how you know there's a there's a method to the madness and it's not just them swinging. So, and I mean, like he was talking, going in such detail. I'm like, dang, this guy, this guy knows his uh, stuff. You would think that he's from a place far, far away <laughs> the way he talks about it. So, but anyway, that's solo. I know we're not this for anybody goes. I thought this was about, uh, black sales. I was like, uh, you know, so that was a little, we don't have a, a, an opportunity generally to talk about that stuff. You took us down a rabbit hole, so, Kenzie. I was, <laughs> but uh, I didn't mean to go there. I was, I've been, I, I was actually in a discussion about this today at work. Oh man! I was like, Come on, man! Dave Filoni. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's start off with Jen. How, how can people get you in social media? And also, how can um, you have a website? Tell us about it. I can get be reached on social media, and you know I have to apologize to everybody. I've I've been saying following bliss, and it is following bliss, but it's actually following bliss one on Twitter and following bliss on Facebook. So I apologize if there was any confusion. Oh and wow! And my website, I know, it's so lame <laughs> with me. I'm so I'm bad. I don't even no, know my own Twitter handle. Well, well, is there a lot of people who have following? Is just one other person with following bliss? That's why you did the one. I, you know, I don't know. I can only assume that there are many Joseph Campbell fans out there, and so they have adopted following Bliss as their mantra as well. Oh. That's the only thing I no, can do. No, to tell the truth, it's because you have such a big ego that you got to say you're number one. So that's what the one is. Oh, oh. <laughs> you know, I wasn't going to go down that road, but okay. Just Thanks a lot. Um, and my website is criticallaughs with two L's dot com and in fact I just started uh, doing sort of uh, a recap of again Black Sails episode by episode I haven't posted them all yet but uh, I I went through and kind of did like an episode guide so 
you know me, I'm super geeky about all this stuff. I take a look at camera angles. I look at lighting and sound and I kind of dissect some of the things that I thought were the most interesting episode by episode. All right. I like that. It's like a, like the Zapruder footage, right? You just finding the, you find the person on the grass, you know, right? Yep. That's me. All right. <laughs> Olaf, how can people get you on social media and, and uh, also what can we be on the lookout for? I know you have a movie that you're about to start working on. Yeah, they're still still waiting for that to <clears throat> it's like to come around. That should be uh, hopefully this year. <laughs> but you can follow me on either Facebook or Twitter at Olaf Barbosa, and hopefully next year the movie The Translator will be out. All right, The Translator. All right, mm-hmm. all right. Uh, and uh, Yardley, how can people get you in social media and all that good stuff? And follow me on Twitter at militant underscore marker. All right. And you can follow me at Kente F on Twitter and you can go to our website at IndieRadio.org. And also if you're a, uh, the terror um, fan, check out our podcast called talking the terror. Uh, we had the pleasure of interviewing one of the actors from there who played the character, Henry Goodsir, Paul Reddy. Uh, check that out. And uh, we also did like, so I did some snippets, uh, video snippets as well you can check out to get a gist of how that interview went as well as i did some video snippets i don't know if you had a chance to, to see them uh, yardly uh, i know that uh, jen saw it of um our coverage of the finale of, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, what i did was i added some footage of the actual program mixed in there and uh, a couple of the videos i actually had the passages from the novel so uh, i don't know if you saw that yardly but uh so when the the part where they talk about the origins of Tumbak, um, mm-hmm. it actually I had the actual passage from the book, which is very okay. fascinating, um, and it, it's intercut with with us um, talking about it as well as what happened to the ship, uh, the origins of Tumbak, the cutting the, the ship, and what happened to Hickey in the book as well. I, I those are the last two videos to have it, but the other ones has the actual footage from the show, the intercut with us talking about it. So it came out pretty good. People seem to really like it. And, uh, you know, I, I'll see how it goes. And then, you know, maybe I'll do some more. Uh, you know, maybe I'll go back to, you know, some of the other episodes and do it. But uh, It got you, a lot of love on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, people liked it. I, I was very happy. Uh, I know one got a copyright thing, I think, so I might have to, uh, I think it was the fourth one. I, ha- I might have to redo it to not get the copyright thing, but... Uh, but um, so if people like it, I'll continue to do those because it gives kind of a feel of the show. Because a lot of times people will see us or hear us talking about a show. Like I have a friend who uh, she will never watch the terror because she says it's just too scary for her. But she will listen to our podcast. <laughs> right. So uh, so for people there, believe it or not, there's people who will only listen to a podcast of a show, but won't watch the show. Well, in this case, you can actually do both. So, I, <laughs> you know, so it's pretty interesting. So be on the lookout for that. And, uh, we will catch you back here on IndieRadio.org. You guys have a wonderful rest of your weekend and God bless. Thanks for listening.